So we are going to be exploring Psalm 20, but Elaine's going to come and read from the message in a, in a second. And there's reasons uh, for that. Um, but when, I, when we begin to look at Psalm 20, I will uh, definitely need you to uh, keep that in front of you. So we last week kind of started, and this week is the official start of a new sermon series. And it's based on um, a book by Eugene Peterson, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, written in 1980, an absolute classic. And he looks at the Psalms of Ascent. Where are the Psalms of Ascent? The Psalms of Ascent are from Psalm 120 in our Bible through to Psalm 134. And, um, and that's what we're going to look at. We're not going to look at all of those 15 Psalms. We're going to look at about six of them in our teaching Sundays uh, throughout the next couple of months. So be prepared to just journey through these, this songbook, as, as it were, this playlist. And the reason that I've chosen, is one of the books that I've been reading, but the reason I chose to just start looking at that is because since, or maybe even before, but since March 2020, we have... Uh, well, in my vocabulary, there was a word called unprecedented came into my vocabulary. And it came to the point because of COVID and the times we were living in, I was real, I wanted so much to relegate that word to the scrap heap, never to use it again. But even though pandemic and much of the lockdown has left, uh, now we have the possibility of an expanding war in Europe. For most of us, that is unprecedented. Not all of us, but most of us. Um, now we have to contend and wrestle with the anxiety of, of fear, of, of war, of economic downturn. And that, again, is something that most of us are, are not used to. So we're still in that restless period, we're still in that period of change and uncomfortable change for, for some of us. Um, and I would say for me since March 2020 there's been a restlessness that's dominated um, some of my life. Just wanted to get back to normal, just wanted to get back to the way things were, rightly or wrongly. And Psalms of Ascent remind us as we journey through them, if you buy Eugene Peterson's book, which is a commentary of those 15 Psalms, as you read through that, it reminds us that it's okay, this restlessness, this change, this uncertainty should be quite normal because we are not, we are not at home in this present world. The world to come the kingdom of God with the rule of Christ is full, is our home. But in this in-between time, this beautiful world, we are a pilgrim people. We are people on a journey. And so change is all around about us. And that was the case for the pilgrims as they read these Psalms of Ascent. Because the Jews have always been a diaspora. There have always been people who have been scattered throughout the world, even in the Holy Land. 
They didn't all live around Jerusalem, that center of worship, that holy place that is so treasured in the Jewish heart. It's so linked to their worship with God. They were all over the place. And so, as they ascended to Jerusalem, and at the time, it still isn't much of the case, but in Palestine at the time, Jerusalem was the topography of the land. It was the high point. If memory serves me right, I've just read a big, thick biography of Jerusalem on Sabbatical. The north, in Jesus' time and before, the north side of the city had three walls because it was the most level. Whereas the south, the east, and the west had one wall because of the, the ascent to get to Jerusalem. And, and so they were Jews, these Psalms, and most people would suggest that these Psalms were sung as like a playlist, you know, when you make when you go on a long journey of Spotify and put on a playlist. As they journeyed on those three occasions, um, Pentecost, Passover, and Tabernacles to worship as they were commanded to do. So I would suggest it's quite safe to say that Jesus would have, like any good pilgrim, traversing on the journey to the center of worship in the temple with the Sunday songs. And think of it, it was one after another. They learned them. And they learned because they were able to relate to life through the yearnings, through the desires, through the words of the Psalms from 120 through to um, 135. And we can have that playlist. That's my suggestion as an introduction to all of, of these weeks of teaching. These can be our playlists. We can use these to work out what's happening in the world, to work out how we should respond if our enemies are surrounding us, if our neighbours are looking to us because everyone else has fled, flown, disappeared, and the Christians are the only one left. Why? Psalms of Ascent are rich and just help us to understand what it means to worship and come towards the Lord in preparation. Because we are a pilgrim people. We should never be stagnant. So if you miss, and some will, if you miss the way this church building was, that's okay. To be restless in that is okay. We're going to talk not about the church building per se, but that restlessness and what to do with it. But we should never desire truly to go back to the way things were. Because that is the way we were, but not the way we are. Even if you think back to a younger time when you were more bold in your faith, and I understand that fully, and you want to regain some of that boldness and faith and faith and adventure, don't forget the fact that you've got years and decades to realise that when you fall off the America it's sore. It's an 18 year old. You don't really know that until you do it time and time and time again, until life, you find out life's complicated and it hurts. So we are different. We are a pilgrim people. We should never just remain the way we are. We should always be desiring to go forward. As C.S. Lewis says um, in his book, The, the Horse and His Boy. Um, onwards and upwards to Narnia in the north. 
So the psalm, the psalms of ascent teach us how to sing this journey as a pilgrim people. I'm going to ask Arlene if she would step up here and read from the message which Eugene Peterson as a pastor wrote the Bible for his church in the American language. And this is how his church would have listened to Psalm 120. Don't worry, we'll come back to the versions that we have in front of us. But this is from the message and it will be up in the next screen as well. I'm in trouble. I cry to God, desperate for an answer. Deliver me from the liars, God. They smile so sweetly, but lie through their teeth. Do you know what's next? Can you see what's coming, all you bold-faced liars? Pointed arrows and burning coals will be your reward. I am doomed to live in Egypt, cursed with a home in Kedar. My whole life lived camping among quarrelling neighbours. I'm all for peace, but the minute I tell them so, they go to war. Andrew, can you bring the next slide up, please? Here's a, a little quote from Eugene in that chapter, uh, looking at Psalm 120. He says this, Psalm 120 is a song belonging to the person sick with the lies and crippled with the hate. A person doubled up in pain over what is going on in the world. So this is a psalm for a real person in the real world who thinks about things and whose heart is aching about things. But it is not a mere outcry. It is pain that penetrates through the despair and stimulates a new beginning. It's not you just look at a screen and say, oh, that's terrible, and then move on with your day. Or you hear about someone and think, oh yeah, I'll pray for them, but you never do pray. pray. It's about someone with a heart and the frustration, the anxiety, and the restlessness causes them to do something. It stimulates a new beginning, a journey to God that becomes a life of peace. So I would suggest that everyone in here who's confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour, who considers himself a follower and apprentice and a disciple of Jesus, is one who at a certain point in their life, and may not be able to articulate it, was so pained by their life was so anxious and fearful even in the future and the, the consciousness of their sin caused them to get on their knees and say, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. They were conscious of their life and it was hopeless and they were conscious of a God who loved them so much that he sent them one and only son but who would believe in him should not perish but have eternal life and who picked up their cross and followed. That is what I think what Eugene is talking about, a new beginning. Next slide, Andrew. So I'm going to look at two things this morning. The journey of a disciple is always an upward journey from restlessness to rest. From restlessness to, to rest. Here's another wee quote from Eugene. He says, this is not a beautiful song. There is nothing either hauntingly melancholy or lyrically happy in it. It is harsh, it is discordant, but it gets things started. And if you look at Psalm 120, or in, in my uh, Bible, which is new, uh, the NIV, in Psalm 120, 
it starts off with um, in my distress I, I call the Lord in my distress and then it ends with the word war and in between this here you've got in verse uh, 2 someone who's got lying lips and a deceitful tongue and you've also got in verse 6 those who hate peace so remember that the psalmist is not in Jerusalem He's journeying in Jerusalem. This is the start of his singing as he prepares himself for worship with the Lord. And he is very conscious of the world around him. He's very conscious that it's not as it should be. Maybe with him, but certainly in the world, this is not the way. This is wrong. And he is full of anxiety about that. He is not in that place in the presence of the Lord where everything else pales into insignificance. His worries, his cares for family, his country, his nation, for economics, whatever it may be is surrounding him. His neighbours, his friends are just filling his thoughts in this, this distress. And he brings that to the Lord. Where is he? We know he is in a far off land. And it's a distant land. He's not yet reached Jerusalem, the centre of the universe. And it says that he's in Meshech and Kedar. Uh, and these are two people groups or two, two places. Meshech is a far off tribe, hundreds of years, uh, hundreds, hundreds of miles away. Um, in later times, they were known to be a tribe, a, a wandering tribe in southern Russia, interestingly. And you have the, the Kedar, who are a, a Bedouin tribe. A Bedouin tribe who are known to be hostile and angry. So they travelled all about the place and they brought destruction and strife. So the psalmist chooses these two symbols to describe savage people, violent and hostile environments around the mountains. And no one could actually live between both much like Anger saying we can't live in this situation and do it on our own. It's too much for us. I'm in the land of Mesh, Meshek and Kedah. That's where Anger is at this very moment. Not a peaceful, he's restful. If he was peaceful, he would be at home. Now, in sabbatical, I did lots of reading and listening. And one of the things I listened to there's four series on it, is a podcast called This Cultural Moment. It's between two pastors and two theologians and two writers, one called Mark Sayers, who's an Australian, and one called John Markova, who's an American. And they just explore in these podcasts the, the secular and the progressive post-Christian world in which we as followers of Jesus Christ live in. Live in. And they ask the question, how are we meant to engage in that sort of environment? I think the world is going mad. Um, I find myself, as I flick through, wherever I find my news, and I find my news in a whole sorts of places, I, I find myself looking at it and thinking, is this real? Is this really happening? Not just the, the war in Ukraine, but just some things that people are into and some things they say that's quite mainstream and it's like 
and they were sort of the twilight zone. You remember that? It's, it's, it's quite crazy, and my heart goes out to some of the people and the way in which they expose their life on social media and news, and, and they seem to be very troubled people. And, and so I find myself agitated. I find myself uncomfortable with this new normal. And I'm concerned about my children's children, what sort of world that they are going to be born into. This cultural moment podcast, I'm going to read this, explores the beautiful world, this idea that we are in this beautiful world. And he describes it as being the kingdom without the king, the king being Jesus. We want all of this uh, freedom and, and, and all of this uh, rights and all, whatever we desire and want, but we don't want the king, as in King Jesus, to say what is good for us and what is bad for us. We don't want him at all to be the boundaries that keep our life together are the north point that we search for. So a secular society marches forward in the name of what you hear a lot as being as progressive. But progressing towards what? We definitely in Scotland progress beyond a Christian society. We are no, it's just not there. There may be hints of it, there may be little fragrance of it here and there. But when it comes to those who are guiding our nation, those who are lobbying, those who are charting the way forward in education, in science, in politics, Christianity has left way, way behind. We've progressed way beyond that. But I would say we've progressed into a post-Christian chaos. And so I get restless as I'm, I'm listening to this, and, and it's in my context in Scotland, in the UK, and I'm just seeing that there's no boundaries, there's no rules, there's no values, underpinning anything of this movement except possibly the unvalue of freedom and individual choice, which is an unvalue. Is it Julie can choose to do absolutely anything she wants in here because she feels like it. And in a culture that's progressive and saying, you go girl, you do whatever you is right for you. But what about the rest of us? What about the children we're bringing into this chaos? And so I find myself, like the psalmist, restless in my despair with the war, with these warring ideologies and people and cultures all around about me. This week, my ministry mentor says, David, you're conservative, theologically conservative, but when it comes to running church, you're progressive. And I took that as a great compliment. But our culture, our society, this utopia, this progression, this whatever you feel like it is okay, is chaos. This beautiful world, this is a, a facade of image consciousness and obsession with appearance, but it's leaving little underneath. Now, I may be critical to that, but as I reflect, I should say, and where am I with that? Am I influenced with that? Or am I a pilgrim of Jesus Christ? Am I an apprentice of Jesus Christ? Is he my Lord? Is he a person who is my boundaries? So I am to love my neighbour. Am I really putting that into practice? I am not to gossip, but I love it when I sit down with someone with a wee pin and they've got a wee more about someone and they join in. 
I need to reflect, not just in the culture around about me, but also in the teaching of Jesus who is very clear about those who inherit the kingdom of heaven and those who will not. And there's some very basic things I engage in day out, like gossip and envy and anger that Jesus will not tolerate is not part of the kingdom. It's actually got more to do with our culture than to do with that. So the psalmist shows us this restlessness, the despair, the war, the meshek, the kedah. And that actually is the beginning of change. That's the beginning of, I'm not happy with this. I need to do something about it. Can I get the next slide, Andrew? Oh, maybe it's not the next slide. Can you go to the last one? Oh, no, that's, that's great. That's great. A person has to be fed up with the, way, the ways of the world before he, before she, acquires an appetite for the world of grace. I need to get fed up with how, with my form of Christianity. It was so last year. I don't want to go back to the way I was last year because it was so last year. I want to be obedient to Jesus now because I know he's going to challenge me with that in the future if I'm not obedient just now. I want to change. I want to be putty in his hands so that if war, God forbid, came to our community, I would not flee and stand and I would love those who are called to love. But in times of peace, I'd be long-suffering with those who bad-mouth or try to undermine me. Do you know these types of things? Don't go back to the way things were. God is doing something in our lives that's progressive towards his kingdom rule. Yearn for it, long for it. I've been on time and time again with disciplines and, and I'm trying, sometimes I'm trying too hard, sometimes I'm not trying enough, but I'm not giving up. Yes, I know in that daily rhythm, God is doing something in me. But if I only approach God's word when I feel like it or when I feel condemned enough to do it, what form of Christianity am I really building? So restlessness, change. A person who's fed up with the ways of the world or the way we're living our life in Christ acquires an appetite for the world, world of grace. Meaning, we'll never want to be a follower, you and I will never want to be a follower of Jesus Christ or desire the ethics and manifestations of the kingdom of God, God unless we're scarred, unless we're fed up, unless we just think, I'm done with that way of living. I want to live in Jesus' way. Onwards and upwards, a life of discipleship begins with the sense of restlessness. Or as Popeye used to say, that's all I can stand, and I can stand it. Restlessness. I'm not going to live that way. I'm going to change. Not by gritting my teeth, but by coming on my knees and saying, Lord of mercy, forgive me the way I've done it for so long. Do a new thing in my life. And whether you've been on your knees once or a hundred times, God loves that. God invites that. God says, okay, come on, let's do it again. So our COVID experience these past two years for me has made it abundantly clear that much of life is not good. There's a lot around that's broken and our world is definitely a sorry place. Perhaps some of us are agitated. Perhaps some of us are dis 
discontent. Perhaps some of us are restless more than we've ever been before with COVID and everything to do with COVID. It's, to, to tell you this morning, Danielle, eh, Otto and Ian have got COVID, I'm fed up announcing that. I'm fed up seeing eh, the numbers of COVID eh, deaths and related illnesses. I'm fed up with businesses struggling because of that and all of that sort of stuff. I'm fed up with, I'm, 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 I'm fed up with the, the lack of morality and ethics in our leaders in our country. I'm, I'm fed up having an opinion about how our leaders are running the country. I'm fed up that my opinion is, is really great. I'm fed up that I think those thoughts, and I, I don't want to think those thoughts, but I'm seeing things and I'm like, goodness me, why are you behaving like that? Truth is truth. And I'm fed up with the ongoing uh, polarisation and conflict in our society. <clears throat> and I'm fed up one of the young players at St Johnson, Max, is Ukrainian. And I watched his interview, which is it's on the internet, and, and you just see this young guy whose parents are on the outskirts of UK, are on the outskirts of Kev, Kiev. And, and how he just speaks of his friends who are over in the Donetsk area, and he just doesn't know how they are. And I know young Max is on his phone far too much. I know it will be affecting his life here, rightly so. I know it will be affecting his football, like, rightly so. I'm fed up with the way things are, and increasingly I pray, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus, have mercy on us. This is not what God's intentions is. Your kingdom come, Lord, your will be done in as it is in heaven. So that's the first stage. The second stage is going to be short for us, but that's the first stage of discipleship, restlessness, agitation, discontent, frustration. And that's a good thing. Because that means we're not happy with the state's goal. We're not happy that we've got everything okay and, and we don't need to worry about anybody else. So the second part is this. Just some resources that Sam provides us with. Um, remember, he's fed up the psalmist. I think I've caught that across the well. He's agitated. He's angry. He's making definite assumptions about what things are going on. He's not hiding anything the law. He's very honest about that. So what does he do? He takes it. He takes all of his complaining to the Lord. And I think, he says he's a peaceful man, but this is what he says in verse 4. He will punish you with a warrior's sharp arrows, with burning coals of the broom tree. He's taking all of that anxiety and he's, he's saying in a prayer and a psalm to the Lord, this is what you will do to the Lord. This is the, the result of their uh, life. But what he's not doing is not practicing vengeance. He's actually saying this, praying this, his worship to the Lord. He's not going about being vengeful with his, his neighbours and his, his friends. This actually is part of the ancient practice of lament. He's lamenting before the Lord. Many times I've thought about someone who's cut me off that I'm going to catch them up and give them a piece of money. Many times I've actually done that. That was me enacting vengeance. That was not lament. That was taking things into my own hands that could escalate anything. I'm not called to do that. Called to go to the Lord in prayer and tell him exactly how I feel. Take the complaints. Habakkuk did that. 
Habakkuk is just full of that. His very first words are his complaints to the Lord, which actually you find out is actually God's complaints that he shared, I presume, through his Holy Spirit into Habakkuk's pre-life. How much will God do that with us? So that we bring our complaints which are according to God's will. How many of us have desired to pray like that? It's possible. Take your complaints to God. Rather than gossiping. <coughs> complain to God. It's actually psychologically good for you. It's healthy for you. It's not healthy to bottle up. Heard of a friend, just not a friend, a colleague um, this week who has just had a heart attack. A pastor who has just had a heart attack. And it may or may not be related to the fact that he survived a coup in his church. And he approached that by being peaceful and listening and giving everyone a voice. He was proven to be right, but he bottled up all of his anxiety and fear, the sadness that people turned on him, and it produced a heart attack just in the last week. So it's healthy to complain to God. It's good for a right and left side of our brain to do that. So complain to, to the God, to, to the Lord God. It's one of the resources he gives us. And the final thing is just to head to the true north. As suggested by C.S. Lewis, Lewis, to Narnia and to the north. Remember, this is a psalm of ascent as pilgrims on their way to the temple. So my question to us is, or to you, where are you heading? Where's your life going? What's the longing in your heart? What will take the restlessness away? Retail therapy? Sex? Holidays? What will take the restlessness fully away? Will herd immunity with COVID calm your restlessness? Will peace in Ukraine help you sleep at night? Will economic stability? your kids coming to faith or a relationship with someone you desire to have a relationship for a long time will all of those things satisfy the longing in your heart we all instinctively look for something to tame the restlessness in our soul the, the, the hole in our soul but restlessness directed to the wrong place is, uh, is dangerous Restlessness directed to the lover of our soul is progressive, is healthy, is life-giving, is kingdom come. And call on the Lord because only God should be our destination. Only he can satisfy. So just final, back to normal, I would say never go back. And that's okay for the Christian pilgrim who's on a journey. The goal of the pilgrim is never to go back to normal. The goal is in the next stage of the journey, working towards Jesus and his kingdom. We can never be satisfied in the world as it is today. So we're looking for the world as it will be, the full consummation of the kingdom of God. And we see hints of it, signs of it all over the place.
And it's true that we have many enemies. We live in a world with many health concerns and economic hardships. There's many moral ethical dilemmas increasingly uh, that are being posed by our culture that we, we live in that contradict the teaching of Jesus Christ. We don't need to go looking for difficulties. They will be there, but as a pilgrim, let's not sit angry in our frustrations. Let's not sit condemning people. Let's not write people off. Use the resources that we have. Learn this psalm by heart. Use it as we worship, as we journey towards the King. And what obedience in the same direction is the title of the book. And the subtitle is Discipleship in an Instant Society. And that was written 40 years ago. How much more now? So I invite us to just be silent. I've said a lot and more than I tell you to as usual. Let's be silent and a prayer to the Lord. Father, the, I'm sure there are things that you have brought to attention. And I thank you for um, how you speak to us, for the things that are planned to be said and the, the things that came just at the moment. And I ask God that those deep things would help us to move from the shallow into the deep things. Have mercy on us. If we have prayed for forgiveness and we pray to the again in the hope that we will do better, Lord, maybe just be with you. Save us from wanting to do things for you. Maybe just be with you, with you the lover of our souls. Bringing all of our concerns, always focusing our eyes on Jesus. Heavenly Father.